warning. What you will see in the movie Pieces cannot be revealed, cannot be described, cannot even be imagined. And you don't have to go to Texas for a chainsaw massacre. Pieces, it's exactly what you think it is. Pieces, absolutely no one under 17 will be admitted. Dance Driving Double Feature presents Pieces and Pieces, a minute-by-minute-ish podcast, episode two. I'm your host, Dan. How are you? How's everybody doing? I hope you enjoyed the first episode. We covered the first uh, four minutes of 1982's uh, J.P. Simon's uh, 1982 slasher film uh, Pieces in that. Uh, And I I didn't mention uh, the last time I wanted to... um, Oh, I guess we're going to come to that in a minute. Because I I had mentioned that the screenplay was by um, Dick Randall and John Shadow. John Shadow is is a producer named Robert Loyola. I'll mention that again in a moment. Now, this uh, in in this podcast, uh, the way we're doing stuff is we're kind of going through in pieces. So the first four minutes covered the first episode covered more or less the first segment. This is going to cover uh, minutes five and six, which is mostly credits, not all credits. The first uh, 20, 30 seconds of it is the end of the previous sequence, and then you get about a minute or so of credits, and then forty years later. So what I want to do here is. I want to play you a little bit of music, and then we're going to come back. We're going to talk about the end of the opening sequence with the little boy who kills his mom. And uh, remember, they had just found the mom's head in one closet. The cops were like, oh, boy. And the neighbor, whoever she was, um, says, uh, oh, and Timmy. And, you know, Timmy is probably in the other closet. But let's, um, let me play you some music, and we'll, we'll be right back. So the minute begins with the boy, um, you hear him whimpering, and then they open up the uh, the other closet door. Uh, the, the cop doesn't seem particularly interested in fingerprints. He kind of just grabs the, the doorknob and turns it, and the little boy's in there, and he's crying for his mommy, and he kind of leaps out, and then the, the, the cop kind of grabs him. And you see a New England Patriots pennant on the wall behind them, so it must be Boston. And you get the lady who, who seems suitably dazed in her. Oh, the, the husband's in the Air Force after. Husband's in the Air Force. And the, there is an aunt. She's an hour away, whatever. I'll contact her. And yay, we're going to get the boy there. And, um, uh, and the question I had was um, where's the rest of the mom's body? I know we saw him slicing it up, but we, we also saw him like putting the p- puzzle back together. So, I, you know, I don't know how long it takes that neighbor to leave get two cops and come back but um in that time he cut his mom's body to absolute pieces uh-huh. and and put the pieces of the puzzle back to he's good he's good where is the puzzle? well we'll find out soon but yeah so so little boy his his plan completely his ruse completely worked blood everywhere um i guess he put the tools back he hid the tools i don't know you know you'd think they'd find the the saw and the uh, axe um I don't know if... I guess you could pull fingerprints off of that, I, I guess. Um, 
I mean, in movies you could pull fingerprints off of everything, but uh, you know, I I I found that um, that that's not actually true. There are some things you cannot pull fingerprints off of, but um, uh, yeah. So I like the fact that he brings up this this wad of this pile of tools and does all this work, does all this hacking his mom up to pieces, gore, blood everywhere, and there's no sign of the body apart from the head. Maybe he crammed the body into that. Um, that little bench thing that the head was on. And I know what you're saying. Well, technically, the actress's body would be in that space where the bench is because she's just sticking her head through a hole in it. Knock it off. Don't be like that. Okay, thanks. So, uh, yeah, so so the boy is there. And then the credits roll. And then after the credits roll, we get 40 years later and we get kind of in a dark place. A kind of a dresser opens up on gloved hands, uh, sleeved arms, opens up a... Um, a drawer and begins to pull a box out and oh boy we don't see what's in the box at the end of the six minutes but I'll, I'll just leave it there and um I, I wanted to, i wanted to mention i mentioned this on the on the adventure super train website that the, sort of the basis of this this is off uh this this podcast sort of the variation of the minute by minute is off the um fire and water network podcast superman movie minute uh with chris franklin and rob kelly uh where they are going through they went through superman and superman 2 five minutes at a time and and they specifically stop at the end of the five minutes regardless of what, where things are in the movie and that's kind of what's going on here you know it's slightly awkward that we had 26 seconds of the previous sequence left at the beginning here and it's slightly awkward that you know this box is being pulled out of the store but we won't find out what's in it till the next minute but that's it's the spirit of minute by minute remains even though we're doing two minutes here we did four minutes last time and i have no idea how many minutes we're going to do next time but this episode will be shorter than the previous one, just because um, we've already discussed the first 26 seconds. The, the little boy has, has pulled off his trick and, and like I said, has, has hid all the evidence except this, what he wanted them to see. And apparently there isn't much like they don't do much there. I, um, I don't think there's any mention again of like, you know, just big man, big man, mommy, big man. Uh, you know and um kill mommy 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 and and um but yeah you just you just you sort of assume that the way it works is that um the kid got away with it and maybe he went away somewhere for a while to recuperate like an asylum or something or maybe he didn't and they they never caught the person who did it because it was the kid and um there was no you know all the physical evidence in the room I don't know. They they probably brought in someone with a hose like 15 minutes later to clean off the blood or something like that. I don't know, but yeah, yeah. So um, apparently he he get, he's going to get sent to an aunt's house. That might be important. That might not. But um, Boston 1942 hops ahead to Boston uh, 1982 in the end. So yeah, I mean that's kind of that's the opening and the, and the closing is you like I said you see the the music is playing and you see the dresser and and a box is being pulled sort of a flowery box is being pulled out of the dresser which we know what's in the box although the box doesn't get opened as of yet. So yeah, so so at this at this that, that that's the, those are the live action scenes. Now I'd just like to go us to go through the credits real quick, and I'm going to do what I do uh, normally when I do these. Is I'm just going to read the credits as we go through them, and maybe mention a thing here or two as we go. Like I said, this will be a much shorter minute, just because very little of it are actual images, and what there is a kind of a wrap up and a, and a beginning. I will say there, yeah, there is something sort of odd in in both versions. Uh, the Spanish version and the English version, but more so in the English version, just the way um, 
you know, oh, we'll, we'll, I'll contact his aunt. We'll take him over there as the boy in the background is like, where's mommy? Where's mommy? I'll t- we'll, we'll take him over there. Where's mommy? And then cut to the credits. Almost like, um, you know, like maybe the scene had been a little longer or they didn't know where to end the scene. They just end it here. Go to the credits. Nobody cares anymore. But it's Almina Film Production Presents and the Love the Music starts playing. We'll talk about the music in a bit. And of course, pieces, and you get the lovely shot of the blade on the left, and the the dripping, um, the white uh, word pieces, and starring Christopher George. Hooray! Good old Christopher George, who who sadly um, would pass a couple years after this, due to, if I remember correctly, it had something to do with the um, the show he was in. Oh gosh, why am I blanking? I know, I know all the all so many things he was in. Was it the what the hell was the name of the show he was in? He was in like a war show in the 60s and there was some something happened in one episode and his lungs were affected and he didn't realize it. And that's one of the reasons why he had the raspy Christopher George voice, but it unfortunately killed him a few years after this, which is which is too bad. He's a, he's a favorite of mine. He's in uh, a lot of stuff I love, including around this time, like he's in Mortuary and he's in The Gates of Hell. Uh, he's in Grizzly, obviously. Uh, he is in uh, one of my all-time favorite TV movies, Escape. He's in another of my all-time favorite TV movies, House on Green Apple Road. He's all over the place. He's fantastic. He really is. And then Paul Smith, of course, who we all know from... Um, who plays the uh, big the big guard in Midnight Express, which I think is the place most folks would know him from. And I do like how the Christopher George um, credit is white, and then Paul Smith and the credits on from here on in are red. They don't like the red doesn't like slide across one of the credits. It's just there's a credit that isn't red. Now they are red. Edmund Purdom. Edmund Purdom was almost like um like a big uh, hunky star at one time, but by this point he's. Well, he's in movies like this, and he's on the verge of for Dick Randall directing Don't Open Till Christmas. Linda Day, of course, I, I doesn't. It's not. She's not Linda Day George in this. She's Linda Day, uh, which is which is interesting. Usually around now, she was Linda Day George. And of course, do I need to point out that they um, they spell her name wrong? It's Linda with a Y. Yeah. And next up is Ian Sarah, who uh, I know only from Pod People. It's funny when I kind of look around. Uh, I think I thought I'd find out more information on him, especially since he's got such a great package. Uh, Jack Taylor, of course, was in tons of stuff. We mentioned him in the previous one. He's on the commentary for this. He is dubbed. His voice in this one is dubbed by that. I don't know who that voice is, but you'll know that voice when you hear it in this. Um, it's just that guy who dubbed like a million voices over, you know, 60s, 70s and 80s, like Italian, Spanish, um, uh, Portuguese, I don't know, uh, foreign horror films, probably Mexican horror films too, I would imagine, but, but mainly known for like Italian, Spanish, um, you'll know that voice, uh, it's Jack Taylor, who, yeah, was American, I guess, um, with Frank Branya, who was a spaghetti western guy, G- Gerard Tichi, Tichi, May Heatherly, Hilda Fuchs, Isabel Luke, Luke, I'm sorry, I'm butchering that, L U Q U E, and the music is playing as we go. And like I said, we will talk about the music. And the music by Cam. Cam is uh, it's a catalog. That's a cat. You know, that's um, there's a licensing place. Um, the Spanish version has a um, um, a uh, soundtrack by someone named Librado, Librador Pastor, Librado Pastor, who only did a few movies, mainly J.P. Simon films, and the and the and the um, the soundtrack is really lovely and eerie. It's it's almost um, John Carpenter esque. 
uh, with the um, uh, piano playing and some noises and eeriness and strangeness and uh, the cam stuff obviously is taken from a bunch of other movies and places and we'll talk about that in a moment uh, but and we, we'll talk about more about um, uh, Mr. M- Ms. M- the Pastor's uh, soundtrack um, as we go also uh, director of photography John Marine thank you John Marine and uh, screenplay by Dick Randall and John Shadow we mentioned mentioned them already Good old Dick Randall. Produced by Dick Randall and Steve Manazian. Yeah, I mean, Dick Randall directed... Uh, or, I'm sorry, he, he produced a ton of stuff. And um, uh, I'll just I'll just see if maybe I can yell out some of the, the names real quick uh, right here. Oh, yeah, that's right. He did For Your Right Only. Wow, that's right. Okay. Oh, that's, he directed Frankenstein's Castle of Freaks. Produced Don't Up to Christmas. Produced Slaughter High. We had Death Dimensions. The Clones of Bruce Lee. Oh, that's a fun one. Oh, that's a fun one. Pod People, of course. Yeah. Wow. Yeah, he did a lot of stuff. He, he did a lot of great stuff. He did um, Challenge of the Tiger, which is a lot of fun. Um... Uh, where I was, oh yeah, p- produced by Dick Rantel and Steve Manassian and directed by J.P. Simon, hooray! And then at that point we go on to um, about uh, 5 minutes and 42 seconds and 40 years later and then we get the hands opening the drawer. So, um, uh, yeah, th- that's our cast, that's our crew. Yeah, like I said, this episode isn't going to be very long, it's only covering 2 minutes, but I did want to just talk about the, the, the music in the English version real quick. We can talk about the... Um, uh, the the span uh, well well this talking about the Spanish music is just talking about it's it yeah, it's it's lovely and it's eerie um um but it's not as eclectic as the cam music and the the we've heard three tracks already and all of them were from a movie from 1979 which I've only seen a few minutes of called Unombra Nelombra which is I forget it's something like a sh- of a shadow in shadow a sh- let me um. Let me check. Okay, in 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 one spot, Unombra Nelombra. In one spot, it is known as Ring of Darkness, directed by written uh, by uh, directed and written by Pierre Carpi. Uh, it's uh, and and the title is it's it's um, what is it? It's it's uh, translated as and I will get it for you in a moment. It's translated as a shadow in the shadow, and the music is written by a Stelvio. Cipriani, who's written a ton of stuff. Look him up. You'll see he Concord, uh, the Airport seventy nine, the Concord Affair. He did. He did a Nightmare City, Umberto Lenzo's Nightmare City. He did a ton of Giallo. He's done a buttload of stuff, and he did. He wrote the soundtrack for this, and it was actually played by. And you can kind of tell the guys from Goblin, Claudio Simonetti, and and the other folks from Goblin it has a very sort of Goblin feel to it, which is cool. And uh, it's it's basically the the premise. I've only seen a bit of it, and the bit I saw was in Italian uh, with no subtitles but it's basically like four women who join a satanic cult give themselves over to satan and like years later one of their daughters seems to be possessed and they have to try to save their daughter from possession the daughter from possession i can't i don't know whether it's full-on horror or more sleazy or what it is it's tough to to say i mean at that time in 79 things went with like films like giallo in venice and plain hotel and patrick's live things could look like they were going horror but then go in a screwball way that you really don't whoa where's that going but the opening three tracks the opening track that plays when the puzzle is being um uh the sort of eerie 
um, uh, track that's being played as the puzzle is being put together and the, the mom discovers it is a track called A Strange Symbol. And then um, the the um, that sort of don't 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 as the boy is sound off the mom's head is the theme unombra nelombra and then they do 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 the 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 theme with the over the opening credits that's Death Watch from the movie. So if you're listening to the Spanish version, you're hearing as far as I know. Although I feel like I hear that music somewhere else. It could have been used somewhere else. As far as I know, that's an all original, the original soundtrack, specifically for the Spanish version. And the three tracks we've heard so far in the American version in the first six minutes are all taken from this movie. What, what did I say? It was a shadow in a shadow in the shadow, a shadow in the shadow, a ring of darkness, or whatever the, the heck it was. So it's kind of fun and, and kind of fits this sort of craziness of this movie that these three these three bits of sort of kick-ass eerie music are all from another film uh, but like i said we'll, we'll talk we'll talk maybe next time we'll talk about the um the spanish soundtrack some more but i just wanted to get that down here uh so that that's kind of that's the end of this episode it's it's a credit episode the next one we will expand the universe of the movie out but thank you so much everyone for listening um that's the credits we're six minutes in and uh, pieces and pieces episode three will cover two minutes three minutes four minutes one minute ten minutes i have no idea join me and we'll find out here listen to a little bit of a soundtrack for a completely different movie